Welcome to the Swim Swam podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining us today, the co-head coach of the most decorated team from a world championships, Team USA, the women's head coach for the 2022 world champs. We're sitting down with Todd DeSorbo. How's it going, Todd? you on uh how's 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 readjusting been uh to america coming off of budapest for you back to america uh it's been fine uh i'm, I'm happy to be on with you as well yeah just um you know i think the best thing the best way to adjust is just to get thrown back into real life you know um back into the normal grind so um when wasn't too hard to adjust i don't think nighttime i got a little you know probably about eight o'clock every night i'm like okay i'm ready for bed <laughs> You know, it's 2 a.m. in Budapest at 8 o'clock here. So other than that, good. Yeah. Are, are you, do you have a group there at UVA that's still, like, training for nationals or training for another meet kind of towards the end of the summer that when you got back, you were kind of right into the coaching mode? Yeah, I got back Sunday at, like, 7 p.m., and um, we did not have practice Monday morning, I don't think. So we had practice Monday afternoon. So we've got about 25 people here training for summer nationals in a couple of weeks. Gotcha. And are there, um, so of the UVA, um, athletes that made world champs, are any of them still training or are they on break now? They're taking a break. You know, I, I had told all, um, all three of them, a while ago that, that, you know, they, they needed a break, you know, they, they got back from Tokyo. Um, cause all, cause all three of them, you know, Emma, Alex and Kate were also in Tokyo. So, you know, they got home from the Olympics and had just a couple of weeks and then they were right back into it with the college team. And they did, and they started back immediately with the college team. They were, I kind of was like, Hey, come back whenever you're ready. And all three of them were like ready to go. They were excited to be back with the team. And so they didn't really get, but maybe two or three, two or three weeks off and, you know, and then all the way through this season. So it's been, you know, a solid two years with not much of a break. So I had told them, I was like, you know, assuming you make the world championship team, I, I told them to take the rest of the summer off. So they're basically taking all of July and all of August off because, you know, they're not going to get, you know, once we get to September and we start the new school year, you know, you're inside of two years to 24 Olympics and you're just not going to have a chance to take a, an extended break, right? You might get a week here, a week there, but you're not going to get a chance to take a month off or six weeks off or even, you know, much more than maybe two or three weeks at a time. So I was like, just take it now. You know, I don't want to see you. You know, I was like, if you want to do anything, go lift weights. Don't don't come to the pool. You know, and I'm sure, you know, they'll stay in shape. I'm not too worried about it. But, you know, this is their really their last chance before the push towards Paris to really just get a good break and refresh and, uh, you know, get a good, get a, get a good reset, you know, more, more so probably, um, you know, psychologically, emotionally than, than physically, but so they're not, they're done. They're, I think they're actually going to come out to nationals and hang out, um, and, and use it as vacation. Who wouldn't want to? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, um, but yeah, they don't, they're not swimming. Gotcha. Nice. Um, all right, so let's let's turn the focus to you. 
I'm always curious about head coaches in this on a Team USA capacity. Um, so following the conclusion of our trials in Greensboro, when when does that hat come on for you? When do you start ha- being you know the head coach of Team USA? Uh, I guess mentally and also just um, practically, you know, when when do your duties start and what do they look like? Yeah, I mean, we start having meetings. You know, Anthony and I and, and Lindsay and some of the uh, you know the rest of USA swimming personnel long before trials, just really from a logistical and a planning perspective, you know, we talked a lot about how much pool time we might need, what the weight room situation was going to look like. Um, just just, you know, a lot of logistics around really around the training camp more than anything. Uh, what day we would travel to training camp, what day we would leave Croatia and go to Budapest, you know, that type of stuff. So we, we did a decent amount of planning with USA swimming uh, from that perspective you know, well in advance. Um, and then really it was, you know, probably like a little bit during trials. Um, you know, we met a couple of times, Anthony and I and Lindsay to discuss the, the rest of the coaching staff and who might go or who, who might, we, you know, who we might want to invite to go. Um, and then, but then, you know, as soon as the meet was over, then it was pretty much full go, you know, a good bit of planning, just community, a lot of, just a lot of communicating with, the rest of the coaching staff that was going to be uh, on the ground there. Um, a, a lot of communicating with home coaches, you know, that personal coaches that weren't going to be there, you know, planning, um, just getting them plans, practice plans, getting, getting their practice plans from them. And, you know, just uh, really just a lot of moving parts with a lot of different athletes and assigning athletes to coaches, different coaches, um, grouping people together, you know, that type of stuff. So it was a good bit you know, there was, there was a, uh, a decent amount of, of work involved between uh, trials and when we left for, for training camp. So uh, that, that was, and then we had a couple of zooms with the team. <laughs> What's up, Mel? <laughs> Todd says hi. Hello, dog. <laughs> Yo. dog looks way better than Mel. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, so we had some zooms with the team, some zooms with the staff, some zooms with the, you know, personal coaches. Um, so, you know, that was, that was, you know, the, it was mostly planning until we really got on the, on the ground in Croatia. And then it was like, okay, crap. Now I'm the head coach. What do we do? <laughs> it's a perfect, perfect segue into my next question, because my next question is what, what did you do once you get in, into Croatia? You know, did you have a specific training group? Is, is it more of a situation where you're kind of one of the coaches just training a group or are you more managing the coaches that are then, you know, handing workouts to athletes or is it a mixture of both or is it none um, of those things? I think it's a little, a little bit of a mixture of both, but more probably, probably less managing everybody and more just being a personal coach for a group of athletes there. Um, we would have, we would have every, pretty much every day after our morning workout, you know, right before lunch, the, our entire staff would just sit down and, and plan the afternoon practice. And then the next morning's practice, as far as just how many people were going to be going, you know, because we had, we had a 50 meter pool and a, and a short, and then a, also a short course meter pool available for each training session. But with 40 people, you didn't want to throw 40 people on one long course pool. So we just tried to plan out who wanted to go short, who wanted to go long, you know, how long people were in, were people doubling, you know, that type of thing. So we, we spent maybe 20 or, you know, maybe not one day long, 20 or 30 minutes talking about, 
the logistics of the next two practices and just planning, you know, um, how many people were going to be in there, just making sure that everybody had enough lane space and everybody and every athlete and coach was going to get what they needed and, and felt confident they were getting what they needed. Um, and, and that was pretty, for the most part, the management side of things, you know, managing the, the staff. Um, we had a fantastic staff. I had a blast with them. They were just so easy to work with. Everybody was really flexible. It made it, it made it really, really easy. Um, and then, but outside of that, more, it was more just, you know, I had a group of athletes that I was responsible for and making sure that they were all getting everything that they needed, you know, communicating with their home coaches daily to make sure just reporting back how they did, you know, planning for the next practice. Um, and then, but also, you know, we, we did a, the, the staff did a decent amount of logistical planning as well. Like, Hey, what, what do you guys have going on tomorrow? Um, can let's share everybody's practice plan and see where we can integrate, you know, multiple people or multiple groups. So rather than having, you know, if you've got, you know, 10 people who need to go an aerobic workout this morning, why have five different practices for those 10 people? Why not just put all 10 of those people together, if, especially if it's more general, like if it, got, if it needed to be super specific race specific type stuff, that's one thing. But if it was a general threshold workout, let's just put a bunch of people together and let them, let them bond, let them train together, let them be around other people and other coaches. And, you know, I think the athletes really enjoy you know, mixing it up and, and being around other people and doing, you know, and just doing some different stuff. So then what athletes were you primarily working for either group wise or specifically if you had, you know, certain athletes that you were. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody had, everybody had, everybody had certain athletes. Um, and, and there was a lot of, um, I guess there were eight of us coaches and there was a lot of combining. So there were several groups that had two coaches that went together um, and they actually did a lot together, but managed the group together so that if, you know, people like Anthony and Bill were together, um, you know, and, and uh, Carol and, and Eddie went together, um, you know, and so it was Greg and Bruce were together. So I had um, so I had the three UBA girls, um, Emma, Kate, and Alex, and then I had Leah Hayes, um, Mallory Comerford. And then Justin Ress and, and Ryan Held, and, you know, something that and, and I had those two guys because I worked with them at NC State and had a relationship with them. And, you know, I think they felt comfortable with me and I certainly felt comfortable with them. Uh, but I think what I liked this I really like this year was that we we combined genders. So this was much it, I, th I think, you know, and, and I don't know what the other coaches would say or what Anthony would say, but I, but we tried to create a little bit more of a. Um, culture of it being one big team rather than it being a men's team and a women's team because obviously Anthony and I both run collegiate programs that are combined men and women and so we're, we're kind of used to coaching both men and women and certainly he had he had men on the team and women on the team and so he would want to be you know he would want to be supporting both genders so we got we did that I mean pretty much every coach and group had men and women in the group and I think that you know definitely helped the uh, I think it was great for the culture. I think the, the guys and the girls enjoyed, you know, mixing it up and being together um, a good bit. And so we, we did most of anything that we did for the most part was combined as, as just one big team, men and women together. Yeah. I mean, that sounds pretty cool. And again, that makes sense uh, knowing the fact that you and Anthony both have, you know, coach men and women at your respective coll collegiate programs. 
was there anything that stood out to you at camp? I mean, I'm sure you see crazy stuff in practice every day, but I mean, can you give us an anecdote or two? Oh gosh. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it was really, it was just really different than last summer, you know, because last summer was, we were gone for so long. Um, and it was, it was a true training camp. I think this was a lot more, it was a table camp, you know, most of the guys like, you know, I guess I've just, I'm, I'm out of the loop a little bit with coaching pro men. Um, I've, I've got a lot of college guys, right. And I think you coach, you coach pro, especially sprint guys differently than you would with college guys, just because, you know, an NCAA meet is significantly different than going to trials and swimming the hundred free or going to the world champs and only swimming the hundred free. Right. It's just really different, but um, you know, it was uh, uh, refreshing and, and funny and somewhat surprising at times at how little some of them were doing. <laughs> uh, I mean, like shockingly little, I think a lot of people would be shocked, you know, but I've, I'm always, I've always been one that it, you know, less is more type of coach. Um, so it wasn't that surprising to me, but I think it would be to a lot of people out there, but it certainly was, it was a taper camp. Um, you know, there, there were times where people were coming in and just not were doing very little. Um, there weren't, there wasn't a ton of people doing doubles. Um, you know, and so it, it kind of made things a little bit easier and a little bit more low key and, and probably a little bit less intense because people were just getting excited and, and, you know, getting ready to swim fast, you know, for the most part. Cause by the time we got to Croatia, we were only about 12, 11 days out from the beginning of the, of the meet, you know? So, you know, even, even most of the females were, were, you know, laying pretty low and, and getting ready, you know, getting ready to taper. If not, you had a couple like Emma Wyant didn't swim until the very last day of the meet. Right. So, and, you know, and it wasn't like it was the 50, the 50 of free or stroke that she was training for. She had to train before I am. So, you know, unfortunately for her, she was, the meat was started and she was still, you know, hitting it pretty hard. Um, but for the most part, you know, it, I call it more a taper camp than a, than a training camp. I just talked to Justin Ress a couple days ago and he was, you know, saying how he's like, well, on an aerobic day, I probably hit 4,000 and, you know, on my no shorter way. day. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, might, he might've felt like 4,000, but there's no way he was doing four. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, you know, he, he's a pretty, you know, he's definitely a pro, uh, he knows what he's doing and, and didn't, didn't require a lot, you know, he very, um, uh, you know, just didn't need, didn't need a lot, you know, he was, he could kind of do, you know, there were some very specific things he needed to do and wanted to do. And I helped him with, and then there was other days where I'd be like, what are you going to do today? And he's like, I don't know, just going to kind of get in and go with somebody and kind of get out whenever I feel like I need to get out (laughs) very low maintenance. He made it easy. That's, that's pretty nice. But I'd like you said, four, though. I'd be shocked if he ever hit 4,000, maybe like in a day when he did a double. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I think he was talking more about like his normal training. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Not, not the, not the taper camp specifically, but yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I, I was a little shocked because yeah, he was like, yeah, some of my power workouts, you know, I probably don't get over 2000. It's like, yeah, that's pretty interesting. And like you said, I think some people would find that pretty surprising, but again, it's different if you're training for a hundred free at trials than a three day NCAA meet. So once you get to the meet, um, just for you as a coach, uh, like getting into the meet, was there, is there a day 
that you feel like you kind of found the rhythm, found the groove of the meet, or was that something that just kind of gradually happened throughout the meet or, or was it completely just discombobulated the whole? No, I mean, I think it was, you know, I think we all hit our stride right away. You know, as soon as we got to Budapest, we got on the schedule, you know, we would go for our morning swims about the time prelims was going to happen. And then we, we got, you know, same thing for finals, you know, people wanted to go over in the afternoon. Um, you know, in the first day we tried to have the team go together all together for whatever sessions they were going to go to. And after that, it was like, kind of come whenever, you know, just let us know there's bus every 20 minutes. Let us know when you want to go, when you want to be there. Um, you know, cause especially when the meet starts, you're not going to have everybody going at 7am, especially if they're not swimming. So, you know, everybody kind of got on their own, you know, little schedule of what time they wanted to go and, and how they wanted to approach that. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, we got there on Tuesday and, and started that on Wednesday and the meet started Saturday. So by, I think by the time Saturday came, everybody was ready to roll and, and on a pretty good, a pretty good schedule, but it, it, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't hard to get, to get into it. Um, especially, you know, we start off, you know, you start off, there was a ton of events on the first day. Like I think that might've been the day there was the most events. That's that prelims. I think that was the longest prelim session of the meet was that very first day. So it's almost like you got thrown right in and it wasn't, it wasn't a slow start. Uh, and we had a great morning session um, and set us up well for a good evening session. So, um, you know, it was, it, you know, I think it happened pretty quickly for everybody to get, kind of get into the groove. During the meet, was there one thing about, you know, having that head coach title or hat or role that, you found them more challenging than anything else or you found particularly challenging throughout the meet? Um, I mean, certainly relay selections are, I don't know that I would say they're challenging, but um, certainly, you know, we're going to do what we feel is going to be best for, for the, for, you know, the U S you know, overall um, in prelims and, and in finals. And, and obviously you're going to get, um, ridiculed no matter what route you go as a head coach from that perspective. I, I know, I mean, certainly I watched it last year in Tokyo and I've heard, you know, I, I've watched and, and read and, um, over the years as well. So kind of knew that no matter what we did as head coaches on the relay perspective, we were going to get, <laughs> we were going to have some back, you know, some, some public backlash, um, but, you know, I think that that's kind of always a challenge, especially when, you know, even as a college coach, you know, when you go to NCAAs or you're at the conference championship meet and you've got to tell, you know, inevitably you're going to tell one or two athletes they're not on the relay. Um, and that's always the worst. It's always the worst feeling, even when they already know that they're, you know, they, they already have a sense or they kind of know they're, they're not going to be the one on the relay. It's still not fun to have that conversation or, or have to let somebody down from that perspective, even when they kind of already know. So that, you know, that's certainly, that's probably one of my least favorite things to do as a college coach when we're at a meet and certainly probably the least favorite thing to do there because, you know, everybody's, they're just great people and they're great athletes and they've all worked equally as hard, right? Like everybody deserves to be there and deserves to be on relays. It's just a matter of what happens on, on a given day. So that, you know, that certainly, um, you know, can be challenging. Uh, outside of that, I'm not sure I really, you know, too much was, was really all that. Uh, difficult. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we had, we had a lot of team meetings that, you know, I, I would find, we didn't have a lot of team meetings. They weren't, we didn't overdo it. I think those are challenging at some level. Probably I, that's probably what I get the most nervous for is having a team meeting and having to speak in front of a lot of people who I don't necessarily know that well, and they don't necessarily know me that well. So, um, you know, but 
I think that training camp was good for that too, because they kind of got to know us and Anthony and I work really well together. I think, you know, we're kind of like, we're, we're almost like exact opposites. Um, but I think that helps us work really well together. So, you know, Anthony would talk and then I would talk and I kind of, I kind of was always the closer and, and would finish the talks because I've kind of just would make a fool out of myself and get people laughing and smiling. And then that would be it. Like we'd be on our way, you know? Um, but you know, I don't know that there was anything that was extraordinarily challenging once, you know, once we were there. Sure. Um, so for the, for those relay selections and orders, um, I'm always curious about this at like every meet. Um, and so obviously just specifically for this meet and prelims for a prelims relay, when you're prepping, you know, when you're deciding an order and also just preparing athletes for that swim, is there any strategy that goes into place of, Hey, put in this effort or try to get this seed or this lane. Did that happen at all over the course of the meet? Yeah. Our women's medley relay. We purposely, we purposely wanted an outside lane, just like we did in the men's in Tokyo. (laughs) No, you know, I think that, um, no, I think from that, from a general perspective, it's more about the, the, the job of a prelim relay is to make it through the final safely. Like that's it. Whether we're the first seed or the eighth seed at the end of the day, who cares as long as you got a lane, um, you know, and you get through cleanly, you know, you don't want to have anybody, you know, starts have to be safe. Um, you know, strokes have to be safe. Just get through and, and get, you know, set the finals team up to just have a lane and, and have a shot. Um, and, and obviously there's some competition in prelims, like some of the freestyle relays where, one or two of the people might make it through and, and get to swim on the final relay. We even tell them like, look, you, you still don't want to be pressing your starts, right? Like we're going to subtract out the exchange time anyway. So it doesn't matter. Um, you know, there certainly is some strategy of putting together an order, a relay order, especially for a freestyle relay. There's some, definitely some strategy, whether it's pre them or finals to putting together the right order based on, a number of different things, you know, who's got a great flat start, who's got great relay launches, who's, who swims great from behind, you know, all, all that kind of stuff you, you, you think about, um, you know, when, when putting together an order, whether it be prelim or finals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have a question about one in particular, the women's 800 free relay final. I'm curious as to what, what that, what the line of thinking was with leading Claire off, because I think for a lot of us watching for me personally, I'll speak for myself. That was kind of a bold move. Like we, I wasn't sure what was going to happen there. And she obviously killed it. And then the rest of the relay followed suit. Um, but from a coaching perspective, what were you guys thinking or had seen before that made you confident to lead off with Claire Weinstein? Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of that, you know, we obviously talked to Ron quite a bit about that. Um, and I think, a decent amount of it was just her inexperience um, and just you know, adding a, a rolling start and a launch and a step over to the environment and the pressure that was already going to be there. You know, it just it was just another added component that if we let her off, she wouldn't have to worry about that. Um, but, you know, you just you saw her at finals at trials. You saw her in the semifinals at Worlds just have really great swims. Um, you know, she kind of, she steps up, uh, definitely steps up when, uh, the pressure's on, she kind of, you know, she, she rose to the occasion in both of those circumstances. And I think we felt pretty confident she was going to do it again. And, you know, I think when you've got a rookie like that, 
Um, you know, the 800 free relay, especially is kind of a relay, like, at least from my perspective, I always think about this you know, on the college level too. It's a race where it, it's a relay where you can really get lost, right. As an athlete, like if you're not leading, if you're leading off, you're, you're going, everybody's going in together. So it's just like a regular race, right. And you can race the people next to you. You know, where you're at, you kind of, you'll kind of know how fast you're going. But it, once you get deep into the relay, especially like third and fourth, if you're like way ahead or way behind, you have no idea what speed you're going, right? And some people overswim, some people just go out too slow. It's just, they just, people just don't know. Uh, you know, they don't know. Um, they kind of get, you kind of get lost. That, that's a relay where you can easily get lost and, and just not have a good swim. And it's not because you're not ready. It's just because you're like in no man's land. Um, you know, and we just, I think we just felt it would be better with, for her if she could just go in with people, she, you know, she's kind of a, she's a, she's a closer, right. She finishes really, really well, the back hundred. So, you know, we kind of knew if she was just in, in a battle, she was going to fight. I love, I love getting that perspective because, uh, not, that's not something I would have naturally thought of again, especially the adding the rolling start component, um, so again, great. Thank you. Thank you for that insight. Yeah. Uh, always the big question mark is a mixed 400 medley relay. Uh, yeah. I, I did, did, did Caleb pulling out of the meat affect the relay order for that? Oh yeah. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. A lot. I mean, he would have been on it. So, um, yeah, I mean, we had to, uh, I think, I think the day he pulled out was the day day before was it the day of the relay i don't I believe remember. it was the day before might have been the day before so yeah i mean it certainly it certainly affected it um i mean you know i think not having kayla there affected a lot of things you know i mean he he's our number one you know he's you know arguably the best swimmer in the world so um i i was i was really impressed with the team's you know, rallying really the team rallying behind him and for him and performing the way they did you know and people set like ryan held stepping up you know, into some, some relay positions, uh, Michael Andrew, I mean, he swam lights out on that medley relay on the fly leg. Uh, I was, I was really impressed with the team as a whole. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, not having Caleb, I mean, not having him there changed everything on, on pretty much any male relay at that point. Yeah. Uh, and obviously that, that, that mixed, the mixed medley relay us put together worked out just fine. <laughs> You guys won by two and a half seconds, almost two and a half seconds. Yeah. Um, so then just moving into the end of the meet, um, when I'm guessing athletes start to, you know, get a little fatigued physically, emotionally, like eight, an eight day meet, I get, I get fatigued and I'm not even competing. Right. Um, yeah. how, how are you managing athletes towards those final couple, you know, day seven, day eight, when, when you, when it becomes noticeable that they're kind of, that they're exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. It was brutal, you know, and I, and I, I think that it was probably more tiring, you know, than just meets in the past, especially for a couple of individuals that had, just, were doing a lot of swimming, you know, like Tori, Claire, were doing a lot of swimming. So, you know, we try and we knew that going in and they knew that. So we tried our best to protect them you know, through prelim relays and, and holding them out of, of prelim relays and, and that type of thing as much as possible. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I, I think that one thing that I think helps the athletes that have to swim later in the meet, like the last three days is, 
you know, the, the athletes that are done um, in the first four or five days are at every session. And they're, you know, I think there's, there's actually more energy, more team energy and the environment in the team area becomes even more electric as the meet goes on because you, you have, you know, I don't know, two third, half to two thirds of the team who's done in the last three days. And so they're, they're now not worried about conserving energy for their races, but they're putting all that energy into the team and cheering and the environment. So I think it really helps, you know, the people who have to keep, to keep going. Um, and in particular, those who, you know, are beginning to get tired because they're doing a lot of swimming and, and it is a long meet. So, you know, I, again, I think the team did just a, a really good job of, of supporting each other, you know, it, and I don't necessarily have a ton to compare it to, right? I was at the Olympics last year, but we weren't in the village. Our coaching staff wasn't in the village. So we weren't really around the team at all, except for at the meet. Um, and so this oh. time, yeah. So this time, we were with, right. So this time we were with the team the entire trip, um, you know, through, you know, through the entire competition. So I was around them a lot more and got to see a lot more, um, you know, so I don't know that it was, they did any better of a job than they did last year, but they just did a really good job of, of supporting each other and, um, you know, just keep keeping the energy high and, and keeping it light and fun. Um, you know, it, it, I just, I had a the whole trip was great. Yeah. What, what are your go-tos or what's your secret for what, what do you need to do to maintain your energy and stamina for day seven and day eight? Oh man. Um, Fortunately, I don't have too much of a problem, um, you know, mustering up some energy once I get on the pool deck. Um, but Monster is definitely my go-to. <laughs> and that, but only for finals. That's my that's my go-to pre-finals uh, energy drink. Um, they had a they have a drink there in uh, in Europe. I guess it's all over Europe, but it's called Hell. Um, that was a good, that was a new good one that we tried. And, and I think I was a pretty bad influence because by the end of the meet, Greg Meehan was drinking, um, um, you know, Nesty and, and Ron already, you know, we already shared quite a few last year. Um, I didn't peg Greg for being a, a monster or, you know, a Red Bull drinker, but he definitely partook, um, you know, we, we, <laughs> but I don't know that I, I don't know that I actually need it. Um, but you know, I think, I think just holding it in my hand gives me a little extra, a little extra boost. <laughs> sure. Dude, I bet, I bet that, sorry. I bet that radiates, <laughs> <laughs> radiates just toxic energy. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it does. I think it does for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. And then completely unrelated to world championships. Um, we had. Gretchen Walsh on our live stream. And she said, you know what I'm going to ask you. She said that she's not wearing a tech suit uh, <laughs> in races for hundreds. I think that's the deal. Uh, yep. Can you, can you tell us in your words how this came about? That's funny. I'm, I didn't know. She, I didn't, I knew she was on with you guys, but I didn't know she, she had mentioned that. Um, you know, she just has struggled, you know, with her hundreds long course she had an unreal short course season. And, and I think she, you know, she had such great success in the hundreds, you know, in like 2018, 2019, um, even in the 2020 and short course and long course. But then I think she just from about from 2019 till now, 
you know, till her freshman year this year, she had, she had continued to improve little by little, but I think the two events that, you know, that really have been, um, you know, she's trying to get over the hump is the hundred free, even short course and long course. You know, she was pretty frustrated with the hundred free short course this year up until NCAAs. I mean, her best time was 46, nine. And she went like, we didn't taper for ACCs, but she went like 46, eight or nine. And she went like 46, eight or nine in prelims at NCAAs and then just smashed it at night and went 46. Oh, and you know, the first thing she said to me when she got out of that race was like, she was like, gosh, I needed that. Um, it was just that breakthrough from not having necessarily improved in that race for a while. Um, and knowing that like, it's in her, like she, I see it in practice every day where like, you know, there's no doubt that she, she's capable of doing that. And I think she just had the same little, just, I don't want to call it a mental block, but she's just having an internal battle with the hundreds. Um, and I think a lot of that stemmed from, she had such success in 2019 at junior worlds when she went 53 um, and then there was a lot of expectation put on her shoulders as a, what was she three years ago? She was 16, right? 15, 16 years old. That's a ton of expectation and pressure. Like she's going to be the next great American sprinter. Um, and I'm sure she, you know, was into that and liked that and was excited about that, but it's a lot of pressure. And then, um, you know, I don't really remember what she was doing in 2020, but then she just didn't have a great trials 21, you know, her Olympic trial hunter free was prelim was not good. But, you know, she came back later in a meet when a lifetime best in the 50 and got like fifth or sixth. Um, and the same thing happened at trials in April. She has great 50s. Her hunter back was just not good. Her hunter free was the first day. It was not good. Um, and then she comes back and goes a lifetime best in a 50 and gets third and misses the team by one 100th, right? And so, like, you know it's in you to go fast because you're going best times in these other races. But for some reason, and it's not like she's – going fast and it's not like she's not conditioned she's not it's not like she's going out real fast in the hundred and dying she's just not going out fast and not coming home fast it's just like <laughs> not it's just not coming together for her it's like it's like she just needs to race it a lot more um you know and just refigure out how to swim the race so when we got back from trials i was just like look I, i'm like we got to do something different. We've got to do something to get your mind off of a little bit off of that, those races. And I was like, so I'm not allowing you to wear a tech suit, a speed suit at all until you go a certain time without a tech suit. And she was like, even at nationals. And I'm like, well, if, yeah, if you haven't gone the time yet, then yeah, even at nationals. And she's like, well, don't you think people will think that's weird? And I was like, well, Gretchen, don't you think going 55 in a tech suit, people think that's weird? <laughs> Cause she's way better than that. Right. And she's like, touche. So yeah. So she hasn't, you know, and you know, she went, she, she had a meet in Greensboro while we were at worlds. I think it was the, the weekend before world started. And she went, she swam the hunter free and the hunter back in the same session, 30 minutes apart and no, no speed suit and went faster in both races than she did at trials fully tapered in, in a tech suit. Yeah. So like she's, so yes, so she's not, we're not wearing a tech. So she very well may show up at nationals in Irvine and not be wearing a tech suit in, in the hundreds, <laughs> unless we've got one more meet before we go. So she's got another shot to hit the times. Um, so we'll see. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I would love to see that because I think it's awesome, but um, we'll see. I also, <laughs> at the top of the show, you were like, oh yeah, nationals in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, 
nationals are in like two months. And then I just realized nationals are in a couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Three weeks from the day. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. The summer's flying by. Uh, but yeah. I digress. Thank you, Todd. I appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat. It's always great catching up with you. Any parting thoughts before we sign off today? Uh, you know, no, I mean, I, I guess if you're talking about worlds, you know, I think to me it was, you know, it was, we were gone for three weeks. So it was kind of, it was long, but, but certainly shorter than, you know, last year. And I don't think it could have gone any, really any better the entire trip. You know, again, you know, I, what I found really great, got to spend a lot of quality time with the other the coaches on staff and, you know, Greg, for example, obviously Stanford, you know, Virginia and Stanford were huge rivals, um, you know, but it was just awesome getting to spend three weeks with him. And, you know, I think we, we built a great bond while we were there. That was great. Carol, certainly, you know, at Texas, spent a lot of time with her. Bill from Ohio State. Like, I didn't know Bill at all, really, before this trip. And he is hilarious. Um, but, you know, I, just, I really enjoyed the staff. You know, they made the trip, you know, really, they just made it fun. And then obviously the team was uh, you know, it's just an amazing group of people and, and certainly great athletes. So, you know, I don't, I don't think it really could have gone any better. So, um, you know, I think it showed in their swimming too. You know, I think obviously we had a great, a great competition overall as a team, but it was, it was fun. I had a good time and uh, certainly look forward to hopefully helping the U.S. team, you know, for years to come. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swim Podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.